Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good. Hello and welcome to this. It is the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. I'm JB. On this, the most rugbyest of weekends, a World Cup semi-final weekend, no, no less, where we'll be talking all things England, all, all things Wales, and in a subsequent pod we'll be doing the Premiership, so look out for that on your feed. But I am joined to my left by Phil Logan. Hello, Phil. Hello, JB. And down the line in Cavos or somewhere? Falaraki. <laughs> where, uh, where are you, mate? Oh, it's yeah. Tim Cocker. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm clubbing it in Falaraki. Wow. So, um, I've, come, I've come to the home of shipping containers, Greece. I am um, in a little, little, little town called Stupa, just down the coast from Kalamata, ah. where all the olives are. Where all the olives are from. Uh, and what are we doing? Are we are we looking for a new shipping container? Is that your reason for being there? <laughs> yeah, it's a business trip. I would never call, I would never miss a World Cup semi final weekend for anything unless it was very important. And yeah, so upgrading the shipping container is number one priority. Now I have to ask this, Tim, because you know you're not backwards in coming forwards, particularly on Twitter, and you were very quiet during the England match. It's suspiciously quiet. What was going on? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so well, as I mentioned on the last podcast, I ridiculously had a. A family trip booked and our flights were during the England game. At one point on Friday evening, I thought I was actually going to be handed a gift um, because some trespassers onto some overhead power lines meant I almost didn't get a train back from Houston to Manchester. But it wasn't to be. Yeah, that would have been... And then there was a 15-minute delay for my flight, but uh, unfortunately, no Extinction Rebellion protester <laughs> decided to come and sit on my plane for a couple of hours so I could watch the game. So I was in the air oblivious, and I thought, I'm, I'm definitely going to find out the result. But nonetheless, I Amazing thought I'd give it a you go. Didn't. Amazing you didn't. Yeah, so what I did is just, just before the plane landed, I put my headphones in, I put music on, I turned oh, it up, gone. I didn't acknowledge or look at anybody. Oh. Hello? Hello? Oh, hello, hello. Hello, hello, yeah. I, I had you the whole time. I think it was Sorry, your headphones. Carry on. Okay. No, I, I didn't look at anybody. I just had music on very loud and I <laughs> looked like a kind of grumpy emo kid. Uh, just looking at the floor uh, to the point that my mum had organised My mum sort of um, lives out here most of the time. So that's who I'm staying with. So I, uh, she, someone was dropping their daughter off and had agreed to take us back to the little town. And... 
And I basically, before I even introduced myself to the guy, I just walked up to him and said, do not tell me the rugby score. Nice to meet you. <laughs> but I managed, so I managed to watch it on ITV Hub via, through a VPN in delay without knowing, having a clue what Oh, my happened. God. So this nearly put me into a very interesting ethical dilemma because I text you as soon as the England result was over because I knew you were in the air. And I just said, Tim, you've got to dial in. And I was playing with, do I tell him the result to get his reaction live on air? It never occurred to me you just watch the game again. Uh, or do I lie to you about it and then let you watch the game? <laughs> oh, that would have been awful to do that. Yeah, I, I, I was going to say, like, oh, New Zealand won by 30 points. <laughs> now, enjoy the game. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have bothered watching the game. I left my phone in airplane, <laughs> I left my phone in airplane mode till about... 6 p.m. local time, so what the equivalent of 8 p.m. Uh, no, yeah, 6 p.m. local time here. So, uh, better yeah, safe I, than sorry. I, I didn't even put, I'd get put nothing to chance whatsoever, and so I had all the same emotions <laughs> that you would have been going through, Phil. Oh, the the roller coaster of emotions. Roller coaster. It it was a roller coaster of emotions. Was, was it not just quite straightforward? Well, you would think so. I so, would, yeah. So looking back. The game was England were dominant. England were, from the first 90 seconds to the last minute, the better team throughout the whole game, mm. but they failed to get enough points on the board. I yes. mean, were, were it not for that try, the, the try in the first 90 seconds, it could have been a very different game. Well, do you know, I just don't think, I don't think England were just dominant. I think there's a word beyond dominant, which I'm searching for, and I can't find. <laughs> because this was only the tip of the iceberg. Frankly, the disallowed try... Uh, uh, two, for, the two disallowed tries. Yeah, the one I'm thinking of, the particularly egregious one, was that sort of crossing one. Because as far as... Was it Tom Curry? Uh, it was... The Hill Curry was the dummy uh, running the screen line. Yeah, yeah. As, as far as I was, I was concerned, the second... I think it was Retallica that bit on that. Uh, Whitelock. Whitelock. Bit. He'd made his decision. Yeah. It was not a blocking thing. He did not impede him. I mean, he did, kind of. But Whitelock made his decision. Whitelock got lucky. So I, I Very w- lucky. I would have disallowed that oh, try. Oh, it was offside, wasn't it? Uh, it was offside because he takes the contact. So he's, once yes. he's in front of the ball, it's he is then offside. Oh, and yeah. So there are two calls, right, which they have to be replayed in slow motion and dissected. And then you only disallow it... Kind of because you, on a technicality, yeah, because you found this thing by accident. The thing that you're originally looking for hasn't come into it. It's something else which you've seen. Like I always think, ref should be made to say these are the things I'm looking for, and whatever else I see can't <laughs> be can't be included. Because I thought England were robbed of two tries. Uh, I th- I wouldn't have given either try the second the, f- the you, first one the first one. So you would have in real in real time though, in wouldn't you? in real time. I never would have seen it. I, yeah. I, w- I would have seen the crossing and I probably would have considered it, but I never would have seen the fumble in the rook. Mall. But, uh, sorry, Maul. It wasn't, it wasn't a fumble. Hey? It wasn't. It was a pass forward, wasn't it? Forward pass. The, the sec- no, no, no. No, the second one was a try. Jamie George had his hands on the ball as well as whoever the English player that was behind that, that lost the ball, or t- that they lost the ball, it's irrelevant because Jamie George, the guy who was the one that supposedly the ball was passed forward to, had his hand on the ball. You can see it quite clearly, had his hand on the ball the entire time. I'm not so sure about that. I think I think he doesn't... Ha- 
There might have been some contact, but he definitely doesn't have yeah, control. I, I'm not sure if you're right. I'm not sure if Tim's right, but I do know this. I, yeah. It should have been a try. It's, because yeah. they'd have to look at... I mean, did, was the question, please let me look at all the hands in the, in the mall? The, there was no question. It was a TMO intervention. <sighs> oh, it, it was Nigel... Snitch. Nigel gave the try, and um, Ford was li- lining up the goal. So there was no... Nigel did not ask a question. Unbelievable. But an, an, another day that would have mattered, but it did not matter one jot. No, and even so, they made it interesting. And mm. th- those two disallowed tries, if th- those both get given, that's probably what the performance would have deserved. That's probably the score line. So had it been oh, thirty-three-seven, I think that is the magnitude of the beating that New Zealand were were on, and it was only. There was multiple other times when New Zealand uh, disrupted England's ball, um, got a, secured a turnover or secured a penalty that prevented other tries, but they only happened when England were dominant and in New Zealand's 22. New, England only really coughed up ball when they got into New Zealand's 22. Mm. Yeah, it was... Um... I want to hear about your... Phil, I want to hear about your the, the emotional response, because this is... We can get into technicalities and specifics, but ultimately, let's just let's just savor in this moment because there's a lot of people oh. like you and I, Phil, and JB watching Wales as well, um, who w- it would have been a purely emotional response. We can sort of dissect, but this is so rare to have such an, a big amount on the line against such a good side. Yeah. So I, I want I want to hear what it was like for you watching it. Uh, Roller coaster is probably the right word because even though England was so dominant. It was only in the last five minutes, really, and probably the last um, two or three minutes, when you realise New Zealand can't score two tries from here. Yeah. It, 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 it is now. It is done. But because... So, I was so, so happy in that first two minutes. When Manu mm-hmm. went over, I thought that star was so complete and so perfect and so dominant. And... I was delighted. And then the next 20 minutes, England continued to have all the territory. They kicked very intelligently, kicked to the right times and pinned New Zealand back. And I was so happy, but I was getting more and more nervous because they kept on dropping the ball, getting turned over, giving a penalty away at the the crucial moments, like I mentioned before. And I was getting more and more convinced that we're not getting enough points on the board. We're not getting enough points on the board. Uh, yeah, I thought that This well. is going to cost I us. I definitely thought that. I was like, they need more points. Every time they get in 22, they need three points. And they weren't They weren't getting them. And when they were, they were being chalked off the board. Yes. And that was the, that was the annoying that was part for me. frustrating as well. And when, when that, um, the Ben Youngs try got disallowed, England didn't get any points. England, New Zealand then managed to exit, and it was settled for another five or ten minutes after that and you thought oh this is going to cost us this is just going to cost us but for for New Zealand to have I'd I would really say zero scoring opportunities yeah because the try came from they they lost one line out and it happened to be that one uh, I think they lost two I've got did they yeah there was one early on was that there was one early on or what but it that that was incredible to only give I mean, that was probably New Zealand's best um, chance when um, Severy Reese was going into the corner and he got bundled out by um, Slade and Tuolagi, who got across. Um, that was probably their best scoring opportunity. 
but England had it covered. Their try, and they, they had no penalties, they had no shots at goal. Mm. It was it was a remarkable all-round performance from England. And something I said on Thursday when we recorded our pre-match preview was England have to kick intelligently, have to kick and trust their defence. And I think England did that. England, they they did not just put up senseless bombs or box kicks. They played a few phases, read the field position, and then kicked. And disappointingly for New Zealand, England were repeatedly able to find grass, and that allowed their kick chase to put yeah. pressure on the back three. I mean, there is another side to the story, okay? Which, and this is not to take away from England. I, I do, I do not want to take away from England. They thought they were magnificent in every way possible and beat up New Zealand fair and square I I thought New Zealand were astonishingly arrogant I think they came into this game thinking they did not need to prepare for England they were going to beat them using their game plan they did not need to adapt to anything that England did even with the even with Scott Barrett they put Scott in the side. In the side. I but say like, that. Like, but that was the whole chat on Thursday was about if you they've wa- changed because if, of England. Yeah, but it's like if you watch them play um, you know, with ball in hand, you would like you would assume that they didn't know what England were bringing, like masses and masses of line speed. At one point, Richie Mwanga looks up, throws the pass, and the guy who catches it is stationary. I mean, how unusual <laughs> is that for New Zealand? And I think they just didn't, they didn't take the England threat seriously, and they got absolutely hammered for it. So I, I partly agree. So I, 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 Tim, I totally get your point, and I agree with your point that um, Scott Barrett was brought into the side to disrupt what had been a dominant line-out for England and try and prevent England from getting those driving malls. Mm. Now, as it happened, England did a number on the New Zealand line-out. They yeah. absolutely, from the go, disrupted and picked off and were totally dominant. I completely agree New Zealand did that to counter England. But then I agree with your point, Jay. There were, there were times when New Zealand's back three were totally out of position, yep. hence England finding grass. And there were times, you, you call it right, that Manu was shooting up every time and he made a couple of brilliant hits, but he was shooting up to prevent that quick pass from Moonga. But Moonga was looking for it. And still giving it. And he gave it a few times, he, but he, he stopped it a few times. But once he'd not, he, once he's gone, f- like dummied it or, or looked to go for it and then stopped, there's nothing on for him. Yeah, there I was think, no, there was no out. I, I, this, this is what I think the big difference is between, you know, say a Ford and a, and a Moonga, especially the way that Ford's played uh, this World Cup. Which is, I suspect, if all of Ford's options were cut off, he'd probably either hold on to the ball or kick it away. Or second time it happened, he would do a little dink. Moonga. And I wonder if this this is the next point. Uh, it will come back to haunt them that they didn't play Barrett at ten, you know, because he just he just the, was the reading to attack the line. Yeah, he was reading the game completely wrong, completely wrong. Uh, and you know, we spoke about potential weaknesses in the New Zealand team. And the only thing we could really come up with, because they were so so good against Ireland, yeah. was maybe as a little bit of inexperiences, a, a little bit of inexperience on the wing. I think that was showed up big time. It was, and I think if. Hansen was going to pick again the change from the previous week wouldn't have been Barrett because he, he changed him at half time uh, Scott Barrett that is because yep. he, he brought Kane on at half time the change would have been playing Ben Smith and probably Geordie Barrett in exactly the back three exactly right I, I was thinking I, watching that game I thought New Zealand were crying out for Ben Smith yep. whether he plays on the wing or whether he plays fullback it doesn't matter but he had to be in that back three because yep. England so easily picked off um, with their kicking game yeah, I, I thought England would. I mean, that uh, don't get me wrong. 
England were magnificent. It's a most. Yeah. It's a most yeah complete... I, I, I do want to. I do want to jump. I do want to jump in there and say I'm. I'm absolutely astonished that that um, the, the takeaway from that is that there was arrogance on New Zealand's part that they didn't prepare for England. No, no. My takeaway is they we, were amazing. We, we haven't. We haven't seen. No, no, no. We haven't seen this England team play at that level, and that that no team in the World Cup could live. With that England performance, that that is a fair point well, as well. I don't think so. That... To, to suggest to, to, to suggest that that was like they they were rabbits in the headlights. You had guys with over a hundred caps. You had Kieran Reid and, and Sam Whitelock. What what really amazed me was the the shots that were cut to them after they've you know the turnover has been completely ruined by Underhill and Curry again. And they're walking back for a ten meter penalty, and there's a close up shot on Whitelock or Reed, and they are rabbits in the headlights. Yeah. They are these are guys who've won two World Cups and have got over a hundred caps, and they they look shell shocked. So I think it was that that it, it arrogance and not preparing for England. They just battered Ireland and they battered well. South Africa first game. So I, I think that's I, I, to be honest, I think that's a ridiculous thing to say. Well, it's not. Um, I would hey, look. I, just we have seen this England team before because I, I've, I've even said it myself. The, the performance it reminds me of is when Ireland played them in Dublin in the Six Nations. England came up the traps. They were not favourites to win, and they smashed them. And when England play like that, they can and do beat pretty much anyone. You know, I, I honestly don't, don't, don't think that New Zealand thought that they'd be in a situation where they couldn't impose their game on England. They didn't expect to be in a situation where they'd have to be, be reacting. They thought England would be reacting to them. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. Yeah. I, I, whether, whether you put it down to arrogance, I do think New Zealand were underprepared for this game. I, th- I think it showed. Yeah. But, I, but, but take nothing away from England because that was... That was a phenomenal England performance. And the the key takeaway for me, having watched it again in the gym yesterday afternoon, um, England can get better as yeah, well, well. Because because of all those chances they missed. And God, if England have that same intensity, that same work rate, that same physicality, the same skill at the line out and the same driving mall and all the rest of it, but finish their chances. They don't have two disallowed tries. They don't knock on multiple times in the opponent's 22. They can get even better. I am going to rewrite history a bit now, okay? <laughs> uh, or at least think oh. about it slightly differently. Uh, I think that performance by England is going to be devastating to New Zealand. Their whole system, the players that, that remain there, um, and I think that's going to affect the whole New Zealand team for a couple of years. And the reason I think that is, sometimes you lose, don't you? But you think, God, well, I put my best foot forward. There's nothing more that I could possibly do. But England won in such a style against New New Zealand that they were demoralised. It's like what what Tim said about Whitelock scratching his head. And uh, was it Whitelock or Ritalik who lost, who gave away a penalty? When they had a penalty in the sticks, one of them reacted to someone well, else. Yeah, it was pushed one in the head. It was Whitelock pushed Owen Farrell in the head. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just... to- totally off the ball, totally unnecessary. So stupid. Something which a guy and like that would never do. It was just an open. It, it was it, the right call was a penalty, which is what it got. Yep. It was just a stupid call. Now let's have a look at the other um, performance which I mentioned, which I thought was similar to this, which is the Ireland performance beating them in Dublin. And you know, if you trace back Ireland's downfall. 
Um, <laughs> you might you might say it started with England demoralising them, and they've got to take a real look in the mirror and think, God, we, you know, we are beatable. Yeah, you know, it might. I think this is going to shake the DNA of New Zealand rugby for years to come. Certainly, next you know, twelve eighteen months, which is so, it, and it probably did it to Ireland too. The the other side of this would be to look at um, two thousand seven and how they reacted in two thousand seven and went on to be consecutively the best team for ten years in a row and win the next two World Cups. Mm. Albeit the manner of the defeat is very different. Yeah. Because in two thousand seven, New Zealand were the better team and found themselves somehow, thanks to a yes. Thierry Dusatois masterclass and a couple of dodgy decisions, they somehow found themselves losing. Whereas but this, this isn't the same, this, is it? This they were by far the worst team. I mean, Kieran Reid was some. What's unbelievable? What's unbelievable? If if we take it that um, from what you say, Phil, that probably a, a like an ac- an accurate score would have been the thirty three seven, so so like a twenty five point um, margin. Yeah. The swing from that to, to that from Ireland is like sixty or sixty five yeah. point swing. Yeah. And, and and so this is what I'm kind of saying. Like you would have been confident if you were New Zealand going into it. and players Definitely. that we were only saying on Thursday wow Kieran Reid looks back to his best well that second row pairing of New Zealand is is something else and um, Bowden Barrett at fullback he was, I never said Bowden Barrett at fullback sniff, any, any, any sniff of a chance and he, he's gone he's grease lightning and none of them had a sniff and actually all I don't even think we did, we did we never said uh, for instance Kieran Reid is back to his best we just said you know, he's playing like Jerome Kano. And I, he's he's not been his yep. best for four years, I would he has, suggest. He has ev- that's a huge problem. That's yeah. a huge problem. Yeah, he's but it's not the same thing. Kano. But he, he has evolved because he's not got the pace for the outside break in the 13 channel. Yeah. And there, he's, he's a very intelligent rugby player. There was one player but, playing against England on the weekend, and that was Hardy Severe. Everyone else Hardy. was just his back and uh, Marius Jonker, the TMO, was, was New Zealand's best player. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just thought... Um, Hardy Severe, when he went down, I thought, he's out for 12 months with, with that knee injury. Yeah. And then... He's up! Two minutes later, he's still as explosive as he ever was. Yeah, they, they, he they was had another Hardy Severe... Or just uh, someone just else like, to help him out. Just another 13 or 14 Ardy surveyors. Yeah, they, they'd be... And the, the other thing was, the only time they were ever making ground was just the sheer individual brilliance of each All Black. So they'd be catching it, but with no typical All Black shape, no no runners off the ball, no nothing. They would be catching it, like, static. A little bit of footwork, make one or two yards. And that, that was all they had. Yeah. It... Now, lads, we've had loads of um, people getting in touch... Ken Halfpenny, this one cracked me up. He said um, that he had a friend that used the phrase during the game, uh, talking about Sam Underhill, that orc-looking mother mofo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, a, and a comment online says, who knew the secret to England's victory was was having Azog the defiler in the back row? Yeah, do you know what? We've actually not spoke properly about Sam Underhill. That is a performance for the ages. Yeah. He, it's Underhill. Really, his last two performances... His last two performances. This was better. Been... Somehow, this was better well, than the last. Yeah, I think the the slight winner of the Kamikaze Kids last weekend against Australia was Curry, and I think the slight winner this weekend was Underhill. They have both been unbelievably magnificent in both games, uh, and the other performances to to name. I think, think the guys who really stood out for England, uh, Manu Tuolagi, was incredible. Some of his decision-making in defence was incredible and his hits and his carrying. And then I thought Itoji, yeah, who, was, oh, wow. who was man of the match, 
it, amongst some unreal performances, Itoji was sensational. And again, his decision-making. And Jay, you made a, a point about the Japanese team, about whether their decision-making looks good because it comes off well. Yes. Uh, Itoji... No. Yes, go on. Fair enough. It, Itoji's decision-making always looks good because it always comes... He always seems to make the right decision. Yeah, like in the Lions, it's the second test, he does two amazing... He just runs through the line out like it's not there. Uh, in, intercepts the you know intercepts yeah. the pass, runs off. But in know. this, where he sacks them all and he puts his hands over the top of them all... Oh, like, was that to... So it collapses, but he puts his hands over right at the last second to stop yeah. coming out. So he loved, form, I he, loved that. He forms a mall as it's collapsing, basically. Yeah. To lock it in, we've all yeah, we've all and been there. His hit, his hit on White Lock was oh wow, sensational. He topped the turnover count as well. Who was the one that Underhill hit? Oh, Kieran Reed. Love that, Kieran Reed. That was changing that, of the guard there and then. That was so normally that kind of hit is a two-man hit. That was not a two-man <laughs> hit. That was and he's, well, he is massive actually. I've, I've met the guy and he's bloody <sighs> enormous, but he's not—he's not tall. If you no, know. no, he's just so wide, so strong, so strong, so strong. So those it's it's Itoji is like a, a delinquent on the rugby field, but like a poet off it. Well, I think he's like a poet on um, on the yeah, field he's, personally. He's a punishing he's, poet. He's, uh, if we suddenly a wa- regressed a, a, what, to, a warrior if, if, if poet. Extinction Rebellion's, if Extinction Rebellion's <laughs> predictions come true and we regress to like a, pri- a primeval tribal uh, species, then Marutoji will be emperor. Uh, there's, a, there's a strong possibility. And I, for one, welcome our new overlord. <laughs> <laughs> Itoji was unreal. He was so good. And the way that him and Laws... Is, um, with Borthwick's help, I suspect. But the way they read and picked off... That New Zealand lineout was something to behold. How many lines do the lineouts do they turn over? Uh, well, the stats I've got here say only two. Eighteen turnovers in total. Jeez. Eight, for yeah, England. eighteen turnovers. The, the ESPN stats give it only two lineouts lost out of eleven by New Zealand, but I'm I'm certain that's not right. I'm yeah. certain it's more than that. Well, there's Curry, there's Underhill, there's another Curry. We, we, we spoke about Willis last week. He was out injured. There's also bloody Ben Earl. Yeah. And, and ben Earl. Sam Simmons. Good. And Mark God. Wilson, who put in a fairly handy cameo. Oh, yeah, of course, Mark Wilson. Too. And Ludlam. Yeah. Now, now lads, some, some other people getting in touch um, with comments. JB, we're going to have to confront this, mate, because a lot of people. Um, so let's let's just do it. Greg Coates. Go on. Oh, says, sorry, hang on. Go on. Farrell was it? Farrell was England's top tackler in a in an England side which restricted New Zealand to almost no chances. Can JB expand on how this demonstrates perfectly Farrell's bad defence as a 12? We have seen Farrell's bad defence in uh, in the past, but look, he he did he did well. You know, there's no point in dwelling on his past past failures at the summit of his absolute peak achievement. Stuart McKenzie, when is this downfall thing kicking in? 2018. <laughs> Tom Dow, um, when does Marcus Smith arrive? He's cutting it a bit fine. Did he not? He? Did he not replace Willie Hines? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, do oh yeah. Um, this is from RB on Twitter. Do we still need to talk about Owen? You've already covered that one. Um, Richard we could, we Timms. Could, I, I will happily talk about Owen for a long time if I, you want. I will, yeah. I will talk about Owen, but in a wider context shortly. 
Uh, Richard Tim says, no question, but but I cannot wait for this pod. Um, Simon Wright says, please make sure JB backs the other side for the final. Uh, <laughs> Charlie Hay says, will there be a whiteboard review on the podcast? The, the, I'm, I'm pretty certain as I was walking in, there was a, a burning whiteboard in the front yard. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. And Yallop says... Uh, I'm patiently awaiting JB's analysis as to why that was actually terrible and Eddie Jones is awful. Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> there so, we go. <laughs> uh, I, I did pose this question to Phil on the way in, which is like, how will Eddie Jones be remembered? Uh, not just in this game, but you know, you know throughout his entire career. Uh, because it is a very... It still doesn't make much sense, sense to me, that the whole Eddie Jones thing. Um, the way he's built this team. I mean, can you remember... The last time there was a truly successful team which did not know from game to game who their 10 would be. It's, it's a weird thing. You know, it's like an American football team chopping and changing between uh, two quarterbacks. It, it is very bizarre. It makes no sense to me that the man to fix England's defence is John Mitchell, a man with no defensive background whatsoever, and to put it mildly, a pretty checkered past in coaching. And then there's Eddie himself, who is by all accounts an absolute nightmare to work with. Incredibly intense. Renowned for the burnout, but he seems to have gone through his burnout phase, come out the other end, and I don't know. I mean, I don't think I'd want to work for Eddie, and I don't think it's going to age in the same way that, you know, the way Clive Woodward sort of aged and everyone wanted him to come in to do management talks and whatnot. I don't think it's going to age like that. But there's definitely something completely... It's like a mad genius to what he's done. There's definitely some genius to it. Yeah, in in the, I, the way that I, I'm looking at things, that, that you you can't have that game plan and that execution of a game plan. And it, reverting back to um, his 2015 game plan and execution of game plan against South Africa, mm. you can't do that uh, well, without without some real special insight and. Well, you have the knowledge. You have the madness of, of the man, and I still believe he's absolutely, he's, he's absolutely bonkers. I, I, I'm convinced of it. But this game of rugby was about the most conventional game of rugby you could ever you, you, know, you, you could ever win with. The kickers kicked well. The runners ran. There was there was nothing special. There was nothing gimmicky. It was just men doing really really good individual competent jobs, better than their opposite numbers. Well, I think that's wrong. I, th- I think that's I think that undervalues what England did because the intensity that they played at yes in, in defense was absolutely incredible they they did all the set piece things really well disrupted the opposition but actually in amongst that was Jap- Japan like handling but whilst at the highest of intensities I mean yeah I, and I think you've just described exactly what I said Tim but well no because I mean it's the highest there are, compliment there are other, there are everyone... teams that have, that, but no, 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 because we weren't talking about Japan as, oh, that's just conventional. Their handling skills are just conventionally solid work. No, it was, Japan was game-changingly brilliant, very rarely seen handling skills. And England did that whilst having absolute brutality and intensity that you're describing. And another thing to look at this performance is... So this is not an overnight performance. No team can just switch on and perform like that. This is a performance that has taken the the four years, Jay, as you were describing before, that the brutality of the training sessions, the fitness sessions, mm. and Tim, as as you're alluding to the 
the the attack minded training and the the core set of skills that has led to a team being being able to execute in that manner. It's not. Eddie Jones repeatedly referenced last week the two and a half years build up to this specific game because that's how long they knew they were playing the All Blacks uh, for. But it's it's the full four year transition from Lancaster's England to Eddie Jones's England. Yeah, uh, it's it's remarkable actually because I I honestly did not think that this was it, it was I did not think it was even close to being doable. And, and I, I still looking back at it. You know, let's rewind to say the Six Nations and re- review the Six Nations again. I still don't think it's possible. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm amazed where England have got to, and it's only when you look back with hindsight. Eddie Jones has said for the last three years, it's all about the World Cup. It's all about the World Cups. It's three years. It's yeah, all about what the World else? Cup and... What else would he say? Judge, judge me on the World Cup. Well, yeah, ju- ju- judge me on my World second Cup. Six Nations. <laughs> Which yes, and, and I guess we, we thought <laughs> yeah, exactly. that was, oh yeah, he, he's saying that to divert attention away from the fact he's just made, made some really odd decisions about selections for youngsters in the squad and left out some really experienced guys. And it, that's why he's saying that, because they've just been a bit humbled yeah. in the Six Nations or they've I mean, just had a really horrible tour to South Africa it, where they looked out, out of shape. It, but we thought he was it was diversionary. But actually, I think what we can probably say in hindsight, because of what just Phil just said, it's not an accident, is he meant it. I don't know. Well, it, it's like, did you ever watch True Detective series two? Uh, I one couldn't. I, I, series one. Series one was immense. Series one yeah, was immense. Right? I started series two. I couldn't actually finish it. Series two was an absolute dumpster fire. It was awful. Yeah. And one of the things Vince Ford is a bad guy. You what? Do me it, a favour. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but the thing which stood out for me about it was so many storylines just disappeared. They they just were removed, and it feels like this is kind of what England have done. Like, where's the Brad Shields storyline gone? Where, where did uh, the Dylan Hartley one go? Where did the two, you know, where, yeah. where did Rob Shaw at Haskell, six go? Haskell and Rob Shaw. Yeah, gone. Uh, Marcus Smith, gone. You know, <laughs> some, how is this, how does Jack, a world, gone. Gone. You know, how does a world-class team rely on Ben Youngs? And yet, he was okay. He had, he had some Ben Young-style moments. He, he had a couple of passes where, he just needs to pass to George Ford, but he kind of takes three steps, pumps it. George Ford is expecting the ball, looks like he's going to go for a gap, and then passes it. So yeah. like four or five. So Ford just gets man and ball. Now it was only a couple of things. And it, how many does it take? The, the try. Well, the, in this case, three. The try that um, could have been a try. His try. He took that very well. And some of his box kicks. He didn't box kick a huge amount, but some of his box kicks were were very good. Yeah. Still makes no sense you're to abs- me that they were brilliant. What you say, what you say, you're absolutely right in that if you were like in a Hollywood movie when there's like a Rocky movie or the Karate Kid or something, you have a montage that just you know gradually shows improvement and keeps coming back to the same things. The montage of Eddie Jones's last four year would have like who's he? Yeah. Where's he gone? What, the, what are they doing? Don't mention judo. The Eddie Jones montage, right, would more, be more like a film about a test pilot in the early 1920s and just taking up planes and smashing them into yeah. mountains over and over again until he finally got it right. That, that's, that's how I see it going. But that, he, he has spoken about having to have that level of physicality and weeding out people who just cannot live and cannot match with that level of physicality. Because in this game, I said after 20 minutes before, I was certain England cannot keep that tempo up. Agreed. He's going to come back. 
But I kept saying that after 35 minutes, after 45 minutes, after 60 minutes. I was like, this is it. They are Every single man on the, on the England team is out on their feet. There was an Atoji turnover. I think it was Atoji. And the way Ford celebrated, it might have been on like 68 minutes. And Ford just throws his hands up and goes, yeah. I thought, oh, they believe it now. This, is, this actually is over. Uh, and you're right, Phil. I, I have seen them play very well. Scotland first half example, which I always go back to. I've seen them switch off, and they didn't switch off. Yeah, yeah. Which in the past they have, how, how, but yeah. particularly 2018 and, and the Scotland and Wales games this year, they did switch off multiple times. Yeah, but they they found that balance of the right personnel, the right work rate, the right finishers on the bench, um, and the right level of fitness. Eddie Jones kept referring to in, in the warm up games, in all his press conferences, in the warm up games when they hammered Ireland by 50-odd points and they, they thrashed Wales, he kept saying, we're doing okay, we're on the right path, we've just got to get a bit better and we've got to get some fitness every time, we've got to improve our fitness, we've got to improve our fitness, we've got to improve our fitness. Crikey. Um, change the subject, what did you think of Steve Hansen's comments in the press conference? Uh, I thought overall he was very good. He, he, his first two or three minutes were waxing lyrical about how good England had played, how mm-hmm. well they'd played. I thought his interpretation of the journalist question that he classed as disrespectful was wrong because um, he himself had said at halftime I asked them to get hungrier. By the way, the worst advice ever. I, I mean, know. That is know. like a boxing corner saying, hey, champ, want it more. Yeah. You, know, you need to be told what you, what yeah. you need to do. No, I'm not, I'm not suggesting... That's what he said. He said, "I'm sure there was more to it yeah. than that at half time." Hey, champ, suck it up. But then Thanks. to get to get um, offended and suggest it's disrespectful for a judge to ask about the statement that you've just made. It, I hate, mm, yeah, I hate this notion of respect. Which I mean, it's not like they pushed him around or vandalized his car. They just asked him a question, yeah. and I think the reason he um, went off like that is because it hit home. Potentially, yeah. Yeah. You weren't prepared, you weren't hungry enough. And I think there's two things that sort of cross into each other. So th- uh, did you think he meant, let's go outside, like, you know, let's go outside side? I don't think he was offering him out. I don't think he was suggesting, let's have a fight. I think he was saying, I will happily talk to you some more about just how much these boys care. Ah. Because these boys, seri- they, they so do. I could only assume it meant, come outside and watch training. <laughs> but then I thought a video analysis session before I mean I did actually think that's what he meant like you need to c- get outside more rather than watch games from inside uh, yeah maybe maybe Tim uh, yeah I, well I totally agree with what Phil said I I, it, I would have done what that journalist did yeah you've just listened to a head coach say a phrase uh, I asked them to be hungrier so you say so why do, do, do you mean by that they weren't hungry enough and if so yeah. why was that it's a, it's the good, journalist was only doing what a journalist should do. It's a good question. Yeah, I, think yeah, I question. agree. I agree. Yeah. So, so I, I, but I think generally there's, there was another uh, press conference today where Kieran Reid and Steve Hansen came out and spoke again. And that, that, do you know what? Overall, and it's what New Zealand always do in in rugby. They were they were magnanimous. They were they showed brilliant sportsmanship. Steve Hansen talked about how. Um, their coaches went up and had a beer with the England players and congratulated them. And some of the England boys went into the New Zealand dressing room and and, and they shared a beer and and um, 
you know, a lot of camaraderie. So I, I th- yeah. and I think Steve Hansen has acted in a classy fashion. Kieran Reid could not be a classier human being. Yeah. Well. So. Well. Well. Interesting that one. Um, I you know I I, I always refer back to Kieran Reid Lions uh, Test three when the decision seems to be going hit be going his way and he magnanimously said to Sam Warburton, "Hey pal, that's just how rugby is." Gives him a little tap, and then they go, "Oh, decision reversed, scrum lions. What ref? What? I don't believe it." And I just think he, you know, he's very, very good at graciously, graciously winning because he's so he's so good at it. I think after you know a couple of hours or ten hours or so, when he came back out, he'd got his head together. But I don't think he's always that gracious. I think that's one of the, uh, you know, one of the common misconceptions about him. As great as he is, everyone wants to win. Can we step? Can we step? Can we uh, say now that uh, Owen Farrell is a world-class 10, world-class 12, world-class leader? And that smirk during the hacker. Oh, we've got, we've got talk me that. through this. Talk me through this. I missed the first five minutes of the game. So I missed the first try because I could not find my bloody sky control. <laughs> I, was losing, I, I was losing my head. Um, how did they line up against the hacker? So the hacker was done in a triangle. Uh, yeah. Like um, when you're setting up snooker balls or pool balls yeah like that that basically with the front man facing england mm-hmm. um and tj perinara calling it and marching amongst the guys england um matched the pinnacle of the triangle with a v so owen farrell was in the center of the v and the whole of the rest of the team Ugh. spread out to the side which is interesting because they said i can't remember who said it they said they didn't want to be static yeah. And just sorry, was, who is it, Tim? I, I th- well, I th- I've heard a couple of different people talk about it, but Underhill said they they were focused on really getting into it early, and they thought the hacker is the start of the is the start of the match as far as they were concerned. So they didn't want to just stand there and be passive. They, yeah. so, they so they 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 stepped forward towards them in that V to match to match them. A great bit of theatre, and but I think they were trying to send a message going, "No, we're coming for you." Mm. Yeah, I'm I, not sure I like that. I I liked it. Well, I mean, why the? I just don't like. Why can't you just stand in a line? I, I, by the way, I'm not pro hacker in any way. I just don't like the idea that you've had to think about it before you went and did it. So I think I saw somewhere else what they got told was you can't encroach within a certain distance. That's right, you can't. You, you can go over the halfway line. No, it it wasn't over the halfway line though. From but the, the touch judges were trying to usher them back. But someone yeah, said... Yeah, there was a couple of players that went over halfway, Marler and Billy Van Apoel, Yeah. A couple of players on each side went, and they and so uh, they were trying to get them back behind the halfway line. But from but from what uh, I heard, what one of the players said, I can't remember who it was, but they said you can't go within... They'd been told you can't go within a radius of them. So you know how Ireland did it years ago? God, uh, ten years ago at least, when Ireland were marching forward as the hacker was going on. Mm. So you can't do oh, that. Yeah. So you can't do that because you're going in the radius. But apparently they've been told you can go all the way around them if you want. But so the V is quite a nice way. Obviously they're not going to fully encircle uh, them. The V is quite a nice way of mm. keeping the radius and then keeping need... England's solidarity. I just don't think you need to be thinking about it. it I, I, you it, know what I would do? I'd, I'd, I'd get in a huddle, and ignore it. I think you've. You've got to face it. Why? Eh. I do what I want. You do what you I mean, want. I would say uh, I, I'd, 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 I'd tell the boys to take some balls out and just pa- and practice passing between three or four of you. Just just pass in a circle. <laughs> so I, I liked it, and England. 
England clearly used that energy to uh, to good effect. So and, just, and the, yeah, the I, picture of Farrell. It's so naff. Not about the hacker itself. I like. I kind of like that. I mean, the hacker has its place. Semi-finals is the place for the hacker. <laughs> I just think the response to the hacker is so naff because you're trying to draw upon a well of your national culture, which maybe just isn't isn't rich enough to support it. Uh, I'll give you an example. I thought it was so cringy when when Wales tried to sing down the hacker. Go play rugby. Just go play rugby. Uh, France and zipping their tops for the uh, for the trickler. I just think it's so so naff. Just just ignore it. That's so much better. I think Mako, not Mako. Yeah, I think Mako went and warmed up once, didn't he? I can't remember. I'm sure in the Lions he went for a little jog. Maybe. That's what I would do. It worked well anyway. Well, I would... What would you do, I'd say that the... Well, the players... Well, I think Eddie Jones and one one or two of the senior players decided, just said, I'll tell you what, we're going to do this. They all did it. They took it as the start of the match. Isn't when the whistle blows, it's when we when we stand opposite the hacker, it was, it was symbolic, but the, the way they played in the first 90 seconds suggests that it got them in the right headspace. So Yeah. yeah. Well, right. who am I and to question? A they... great bit of theatre, and, and, and that smirk from Owen Farrell will, will be a meme for a long, long time. Yes, if, it will. If, that, if England had lost that game, then that smirk would have been all over the front and back page of New Zealand press. It would have oh. been everywhere. Fortunately, it worked out quite nicely for him. Poor New, poor New Zealand. By the way, we should mention New Zealand press because we, we, we should. I read some of the player ratings and they gave... Um, do you do this? Gave... Uh, sorry, can I just ask, do you do this to annoy yourself or do you regularly read the New Zealand press to catch up with... I don't, know, I don't regularly. Shit like sheep sharing news or whatever they write about, <laughs> about over there. I, I was curious how they would be reporting and yeah. I was not... <laughs> I was not I was not surprised to see things like, for example... That was my morning uh, New Zealand Herald. (laughs) They said Henry Slade, who was lucky to remain on the field. Why would he do? The the tackle on Sevi Reese, which was was officiated brilliantly by Yonker and um, Nigel Owens. It was, correct. Uh, But they gave Owen Farrell, for example, six out of ten. They gave... I think the highest any England player got was eight, and that was Sam Underhill. But everyone else was like five, sixes, sevens. That, oh, bless! I mean, there were. I'm, I'm, I, I would be loathed to give a ten in any circumstances, but um, Manu Itoji and Underhill would be. I'll give them nine point nine. They, they were, they were unbelievably good. Yeah, I'll just say this when I finish getting dressed. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it is hot, it's hot in here, isn't it? Yeah, I've put heating on and I've lost the thermostat. It's one of these little mobile ones. Um, open the door. I know, I know what you mean. It's really, it's really hot here today. It was, it was too hot. It was, it was 27. <laughs> 27 of blue skies. It's too much. It, yeah, it is absolutely much. freezing outside uh, yeah, I, in I, Manchester. I think some of the problems with these national press outlets, uh, because they are writing for one constituency, namely the public of New Zealand or the public of England, they get so caught up in the players that they're covering basically all their lives that they forget other players exist and how to rate those players against the players that they cover. It's very, very common in England and English rugby coverage. Uh, so it doesn't surprise me that they rated them low because, you know, as Eddie Jones said, and he's probably right in this, as objective as they pretend to be, most of them are just fans with keyboards. And also... And, and, and they don't even realise it. I, it's not a criticism, it's just... 
the reality. And there are a number of um, journalists all over the world who, if they continually spout incorrect uh, opinions, that, mm-hmm. get, that gets shared more than a standard boring match report. So yes. there is definitely a, an incentive behind it. As I found out. <laughs> although, although what I would say is it's quite interesting. The, the journalists who have spent the majority of the last four years being very, very down on Eddie Jones, suddenly talking about him in the most sparkling, glowing terms as well, if the last four years hadn't happened. To be fair, the only one I can really think of, and I agreed with him when he said this, was Stephen Jones. Stephen Jones. Steve yeah. Jones called it perfectly when England didn't play well and downfall 2018 occurred. And he was perfectly consistent. The others, I think, truly have just been believing everything which England have said from day one. I don't think there's any real di- differentiation there. Do you? Cool. Um, um, some other messages that might spark a little chat. Um, Rugrats Rugby Dahl, um, our, our follower. Thank you very much. At Rugby Podcast, he tweeted, if Johnny May is out, mm-hmm. who do you start in the final? I mean, we can get into this later in the week, but just because he did pull up with his hamstring, yeah. he could have put the hammer down and gone round Barrett, you feel, but the, oh, it wasn't the, 100%. Yeah. There's only one guy for me, but I'll let Phil go first. So that that um, sprint against Barrett was very interesting. Now, Barrett did have the angle on him, but I'm certain a fully fit um, Johnny May. Well, no, um, no forward is catching him. No, no forward yeah. in world rugby is catching him. Ardi Surveyor could possibly Ardi Surveyor. Um, so I am certain he was limited, speed limited, because of his hamstring on that, which make raises the question. And I, I think this is this is fact. This is the way I'm interpreting it. He was picked for his aerial ability, and the New Zealand tried yes. it early on. They put two or three bombs onto him that he took brilliantly over his head. Yes. And they stopped doing it after that. Yeah, but I he, carried he, on. He was, he was not fit and he was picked because, not because of his pace, but because of his aerial solidity, which is an incredible place for Johnny B to be in compared to where he was, say, four or five years ago. Agreed. Uh, so who replaced him, Phil? Um, if he's fit, Jack Noel. Tim? Yes. If Jack Noel is fit, then it's easy. Uh, if not, then probably. Oh man, but South Africa are going to kick loads. So I was going to say, I don't. This, I see. This, this is what worries me. Yeah, um, because me too. Joe Thocken, a singer, worries me that they will just that they'll kick to him and get more success. But I would say Joe Thocken, a singer, out of the people in the squad, if if Jack Noel's not fit. That's uh, where I am. But well, I, if, I he's do... not, if he's not fit for one more game, you may as well send him home. And for me, the only, only one man starts um, Marcus Smith. Guile, <laughs> skills, <laughs> kicking. Get him in. Get him in at 15. Uh, Elliot Daly to the wing. Well, well I mean, I guess Farrell could play 15. <laughs> Farrell can do whatever he wants. Move, move him to fly half. I don't know. Well, you, 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 it wouldn't entirely surprise me to see England push Slade to 15 and Daly on the wing because you've got the, you've then got two wing fullbacks playing wings uh, and Henry Slade who's well according to Exeter's profile 6 foot 4 uh, and very good in the air yeah and 100 kgs at least <laughs> yeah, at least at least uh, uh, Michael Michael Thomas has tweeted saying this the Spider-Man cam shots have to be rationed a bit more in the final 
They did go for it a lot on this semi-final, I, didn't they? I like them, though. I like them at the right time. Well, that's it. I mean, that is not the art of being a director, though. I mean, I'll just that, leave them. I'll leave them to make those decisions. So, some of the coverage has left me a little bit dissatisfied for this World Cup. So, the, the overall coverage has been brilliant, but there's times when a director makes a. So he will do a replay in ultra slow motion, but replay the wrong thing. So you're, you're waiting for like the knock on or the hit or the tackle, or whatever and it is. Two players high fiving. Yeah, it's but with sweat or, glistening off their hair. Or he'll give a 15 second long ultra slow motion that stops half a second before the contact or yeah. the thing that you want to see. The, only, the way I look at it is, I know Spider Cam has actually been around as a concept for bloody maybe a decade or so now. It's been around for a long time, but they don't use it as much. Um, I, I think they're just sort of getting used to when can they use it, when's the best time, and it'll sort itself out. Don't worry about it. There was a brilliant NFL play that was shared on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. Last week... Or was two, it from behind the quarterback? Ago. No, it was a punt return. Ooh, and it was that. from... So low down in front of the returner at the start and moving with him as he weaved his way through the defence. It was very impressive. Now, you, you can't do that in Union because of the chance of kicking. You can't get that yes. close to the action in those scenarios. But it must I, be bloody off-putting. I like it for camera shot, uh, for scrum shots, and I like it at times. So, like, static scrums to see how teams are lined up. I like yeah, it for agreed. that kind of thing. Other than that, when there's action, I find it a bit hard to follow. Agreed. Right, well, congratulations, England. I think um, I think we'll leave them there. Yes. Uh, we'll right. talk about that uh, obviously again later in the week when it gets to teams being announced for the Rugby World Cup final. But let, let me just mention Ben Cisneros, who tweeted at Rugby Podcast to say, and this dovetails nicely into semi final number two. Has there ever been two more contrasting semi-finals? England versus New Zealand, scintillating and fast-paced. Wales v South Africa, both sides trying to play as little rugby as possible. I thought, for my money, the Wales-South Africa game was better. I thought it was amazing. (laughs) I really thought it was outstanding. I would describe it as one for the purest. Um, If you're into that kind of thing... Well, there's more points. (laughs) No, no, it was a yeah. closer game. Yeah, it, uh, it was a closer game. I, I will thought, give you that. I, I mean, I, I, it was. It, it was so it's so hard to describe because everyone will say, "Oh, look, look at him just kicking this up, this that, and the other." Now, think about England for a second. England beat all the All Blacks with a, what is basically a conventional game plan of just being better than your opposite number. Albeit, yeah, to mention the skills which are unusually good, but you know they were just normal skills done exceptionally well. Um, think about it like two armies who both have a, a fully kitted out mo- uh, modern army going out against each other and the better modern army beating the other modern army. What you saw against Wales with the Wales game was some sort of like insurgent force. They, they couldn't match South Africa for power. They couldn't just play a conventional game plan. And somehow they stayed in this till the very, very end. And I'm, I'm not... I mean. I thought it was quite—it was quite an inspiring effort by, by, by Wales. I'm not overly upset that they exited, and I'm not overly surprised. But I'm surprised it didn't happen earlier, because what they've been doing for so long is staying in game, staying in the fight, and just relying on a coin flip right at the end to see if they can win it. And their luck ran out. That—that—that's—that's that's basically what happened. I think I think you're right, and all of that stuff. It, it was Wales were magnificent to stay in the fight. Yeah, it, it was not. So for me. 
it was not an exciting... It, it was nervy because both teams could have won at the end. But the brand of rugby that both teams played was just... It's, when, when you contrast it with the intelligent kicking and the, the defence and discipline and the high skills of England, it just fell so, short. Well, I thought it, Wales were remarkably disciplined. Remar- because every, every sinew of them would have been wanting to do something else. Every time they carried that ball and got smashed backwards, they knew they had to have a, a couple of carries. How does a team get within three points of its opposition... And they only, I think they only got over the gain line 22% of the time. Yeah. I mean, that's remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. So then they send up the kick. Uh, Lee Halfpenny, who was much maligned before the game, I thought was brilliant, uh, just did exactly what, what he's meant to do. Uh, and they dragged South Africa down to their level. <laughs> um, well, I, I think South Africa wanted to play that simplistic game. And by simplistic, yeah. is that by simplistic game, I think both teams, to, to oversimplify it, they played one up rugby, two or three phases, box kick. The All that, Blacks would have that, murdered that, Wales. That was it. Uh, 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 today. They uh, absolutely murdered them. They might get a chance on, well, they will get a chance on Friday. Yeah, and we'll see how that goes. It, will, it, will, it won't go well. Um, against the, I mean, I'll tell you one of the best bits of rugby I've seen for so, so long was that Welsh scrum for the try. To have no success all game, but when it mattered, win the scrum and score the trial first phase. That that was something particularly special. Uh, I really like the part where, I mean, Andre Pollard must have been completely rattled. He is, by any measure, one of the top three fly halves in the world, you, you'd probably say. Yeah. If not top five, uh, it doesn't matter. Top, yeah. Very, He's very good fly half. Yeah. And what was he thinking kicking? I mean, he... Um, you had that passage of play where Hadley Parks gets charged down, immediately followed by Andre Pollard getting, getting charged, charged down. down. I, know. I mean, these are not comparable players, yet they're playing comparably. And I, I just thought it, the whole thing was absolutely brilliant. I got... Can I? Well, can I just sort of jump in on that because you've, uh, I've just heard you describe, and I thought that the Welsh try was taken was taken really well but i've just heard you describe a scrum and two passes as quote particularly special yeah and england <laughs> as uh, as nothing particularly special it was just no tim you are completely mischaracterizing rug- my no no rug- no 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 i'm not having this you have completely mischaracterized completely mischaracterized what i'm saying about england i'm saying england were amazing at doing all the all the normal stuff particularly well they they beat New Zealand playing amazingly amazing rugby, amazing normal rugby at the highest pinnacle of what that sport is meant to be. That is not in any way dis- uh, disrespectful at all. Okay, all right. at all. Uh, uh, now, okay. now, well, why thought, is thought, it, why why? The, the, the tr- no, so why the is the Wales really well? Yeah, yeah, because you know to have the balls to go and call that when your scrum is un- uh, uh, under the cosh, yeah. and then for everyone who's under a tremendous amount of pressure to execute and then score that first phase, that's, that's unusual. It, Put it mildly. I thought, I thought that was the call that um, had lost Wales the game. Yeah, I, I when, agreed. I thought that was his Robshaw moment. When they made that call, I was screwed. No, no, no. You do. That's the last thing you want to do. Take the three, rebuild, get down there again. Yeah. But it, it yeah. was the right call because as, as we saw as South Africa closed out the game, Wales's only hope of going... So, 
if if Wales take the three there, South Africa will kick deep into Wales's twenty-two. They'll kick all the way and make Wales play out of their own twenty-two. Yeah. The only way that Wales could get 80, 90 meters down the pitch was by grinding out and and actually look. They need to win a penalty in their twenty-two. Yep. Kick it forty yards. Secure the line out, win another penalty, kick it another 40 yards, and then hope they can crash over yeah. the line. There, there was no other way, watching that full 80 minutes, that Wales were going to get there. So he, it was the right call, but it was a gamble. And to Absolute execute, gamble. To execute was superb. Which is the story of Wales' last two years, I, I think. Um, the, the other thing that they managed to somehow do was get the South Africans dousing themselves into the high ball. Willie LaRue dropped two. Um, Faf. Faf dropped Faffy. one. I mean, they were beating South Africans in the air, and I think there was a period about, I would say about 65 minutes in, and the penalties were like 8-3 in favour of in favor of Wales. I thought, the, 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 they've actually got them here. They've actually, managed to, they've actually managed to make South Africa doubt themselves. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, I, I was, I was really... Um, I can understand why it was an arm wrestle like that, but I was really disappointed in both sides actually agree for 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 being so negative i understand why i understand that, the, that this happens at this stage but i was that there's so much better than that in the case the whales of South Africa, are i think you can well no they are and they have shown that they are um in, in the it, south africa certainly the way they ripped england to shreds in tw- the summer of 2018 and we talk about what an incredible backline and stuff they didn't even try and wales what was what i found disappointing about Wales uh, albeit that they uh, notwithstanding the fact they were incredible and as we talked about on in the last week of podcasts they are never beaten and the bravery of that side and the, yeah, the grit yeah. is, is is inspiring so just to go back but, to your point when you say Wales are better than that how would you set up this Wales team to do better against South Africa well I think they showed it in this very game they kicked aimlessly for most of the match um, I, I don't agree that their kicking game was good. I thought it was terrible. It was terrible. Generally. Uh, Mo- there, there were a few nice they kicks, never tried to most play. were terrible. Yes. Most were terrible. It was aimless. And I think Dan Bigger, for a brilliant player, had a very, very bad game. Yes, Dan Bigger did. It for the South African, South African try as well. He was really poor. And he, and he sliced um, a kick. And yeah. yeah, by his own high standards. And so they kicked aimlessly. They didn't play. But when they did... On the they on the couple of occasions when either side actually tried to play, it was Wales, and they looked awesome. Well, you have got to remember Tim. But I'll... then they went, but then they went back, then they went back to aimlessly kicking again. So I would say they they did open up on the occasions they were afforded the opportunity to. Remember, they only crossed the gain line twenty two percent of the time. So if they've gone wide, presumably because they, because they were passing from nine to a runner. Yeah, but yeah, it's one out rugby. Yeah, but some get. I mean, a lot of teams can get over the gain line. Wales can get over the gain line doing that. So you have got to think when they did go wide and do that. It, that must have been the, one of the very few times when they were going forward. And also, did you not see? Um, oh, Vermaelen, not Vermaelen. Edsabeth picked up. So I can't remember who it was, but uh, they put the head down. They uh, they tried to drive through. It might have been Gareth Davis. In fairness, just picked him up and marched him backwards. I mean, you're. Uh, I don't think Wales could have done anything more to win this game. And I think some of the South African physicality was frightening. Yeah. And the, the, oh no, I get it. I, I, I guess what I'm saying is South Africa going forward. I'm is, I, I'm, I think actually, I think actually Wales players will look back and they'll rewatch that game and go. We were brave. We gave everything, but I don't think we actually. Well, no, no, not we gave everything. 
we we were as brave and we gave as much effort as we could but i don't think we gave it everything they never they never threw caution to the wind they never tried anything at any point and i think they they could have won and and another thing that struck me was mike phillips after the game was talking about um oh you know quite rightly praising the effort praising how far they've got what the, the small resources they have the small player pool and to have got to this level was brilliant and and but then the phrase he said was it's a real positive looking ahead to the six nations and i thought is that the mentality why they didn't win because beating england in february is is actually kind no. of enough for wales no that no i mean i think mike phillips was just looking for something positive to say and by the way he's wrong yeah. after, after gatland there, there is no future. Uh, it's just a barren wasteland with you know, stumps of trees, stumps of burnt-out trees everywhere. I, I don't know where Wales go after this game. This Probably what we saw was the flame-out of Welsh rugby for a long, long time because I do not think anyone can set up a, a, a team like Gatland and anyone can make Wales as successful as, as he did. I think we're looking at a long period of about Scotland-level rugby now. It is fair to say that Gatland has eked out Every inch of talent, yeah. every I, little drop of talent in that way. I would like he, to, he has got yeah. the best out of it over the the period. I do agree with you, Tim. That I I would have liked to see Wales just just go wide a little bit earlier. But with who? I know. What the maybe box? Me, me, JD two, JD two. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. He's one of the best in the world. Yeah, but he's only, he's only one guy. I know. I mean, I like, know. you talk about Ford and Farrell and, um, you know, uh, who else is on the field at one point? Uh, Slade. There is no equivalent. There is no equivalent. This is... This is what the, they do. Like, uh, you, you've got um, Gareth, Gareth Davis, Josh Adams, and uh, and JD are three of the most explosive players that were on that field in that and, match. And, yeah. who, and who's passing them the ball? I did th- uh, Thomas Williams and uh, Patrell. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I, d- I did think <laughs> would would you be better um, putting Gareth Davis on the wing? At one I point? thought that as soon as George North went down, I was like, yeah. Watkins coming on. Put, Where uh, put, now? Watkin actually, you know, can move a ball probably better than Hadley Parks, but Hadley Parks isn't going to go on the wing. No, you know, put uh, Gareth Davis on the wing, and Hadley Parks has been fine. You know, he's been he's actually summed up Wales perfectly. Uh, un, um, under talented, underpowered, amazing, inspirationally brave. In, uh, I, I mean, he's been awesome. In fact, he might be my favourite player of the entire tournament. Because he makes you think that normal people can play rugby <laughs> at international standards. Just how much punishment is taken. Yeah. Now, there is something I've been thinking about this. And as you well know, I come up with many, many great ideas. And today, mm. is, today is no different. And I think I might have come up with something for you. To revolutionise the experience of watching a rugby game. Are you ready for this? Um, ready. Tim? Go on. 
Okay. <laughs> it's going to be proprietary technology, although I'm not entirely sure I can do I can do this because the technology is there. I'm just sort of expanding it. But Wales came out on this field. And when you think about these two teams, South Africa and Wales, you think, oh, my God, Wales are in for it because they're going to get absolutely battered. These South Africans are bloody enormous, particularly in the pack. Wales were 16 or 18 kilograms heavier officially than South Africa. Now, I don't know about you. I'm not sure if I believe that. Do you, do you boys believe that? Mm, no. No, I no. No. I don't either. Now, in Manchester Manchester Institute of Sport, have you have you been there? Is that the right Manchester Institute of Health and Performance? That's the one which we built. Well, yes, you personally. Uh not I'm, me. Uh, I tested. I I did test it personally. Um, I won't go into that, but yes. <laughs> there was a sound issue. Um so they have these like body pod things, right? And they um, basically measure your. Tell me if I'm wrong here, Phil. Is it your lean muscle mass? Uh, yeah. So it's. Um, I have. I definitely didn't do anything to do with this, but it assesses your body. Yeah. It's, it's, no, it's not your body mass index. It is the percent of muscle mass, fat mass, bone mass, and water mass. Like, right. All the rest of it. Yeah. So if have I got this right, you sit in this thing. You completely um, immersed. Your head isn't exposed. You sit in the pod. You close it, and then you come out, and then it tells you it tells you stuff. Yeah. Right. How about this for an idea? The two teams are in the tunnel, and they both step into what is effectively these enormous mass-measuring <laughs> machines just before they walk out. Then when they walk out, the stat fly- flies up. Here are the pack weights, but here is the amount of me- lean muscle mass Wales are bringing compared to South Africa. Here is the amount of lean muscle mass on Thomas Francis. Yeah, exactly. Because I thought Thomas Francis is, is contributing to this pack much like the way that um, and uh, we- Weenie Antonio contributes <laughs> to the to the French pack, I would love to know what the lean muscle mass is of both those packs because I'm pretty sure Wales are losing that. I am all for more data at all times, so I'm I'm 100 behind that. So I don't know how you do it. I, I think, think um, I, gone. I like that you're. Um, I, I like that you're. I like that you're encouraging a bit. You know, a, a bit of fat shaming of elite athletes <laughs> might, might make us mere mortals feel better at home and secondly i also like in kind of ironic fashion the fact you called uini antonio weenie antonio i think that's a much better name for him weenie antonio that's exactly the one yeah so um two mass whatever they are and i'm not sure if you put all eight of your pack in your starting pack before they come out in in the tunnel or you have extra long ones for the whole team but i i think i feel just the pack is enough do it for the whole team i like it yeah, it's a great idea. Isn't I'm it? going to ask one question on. I'm going to ask one question on this, which links to the final. Um, so, I actually, I'm going to maybe defend both sides for the for playing in quite a, a negative fashion, because Jerome Garces just did not officiate the offside line for the whole 80 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Concern me if, as I think he might do, he gets the final. Well, it's not going to be Wayne Barnes. Nigel? It's not going to be Jacko Paper. Uh, could it's, be Nigel. It's going to be Nigel Jerome. Could be Nigel, yeah. No. I hope it's Nigel. What, I don't know if I can stand the the witty comments. He he did. Nigel did very well in the Yeah, and to be honest... Game. Although he, he missed two absolutely, totally blatant forward passes in the last five minutes. He has um, stopped with the, wide, with the wisecracks, although I can't help but think he won't be able to control himself on the bigger stage the biggest stage he'll have to put in a quip about football or something yeah this isn't Lazio boys 
This isn't the Emirates Lounge. Hey! Boring. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he, was, he was good in the game, though. Yeah, he's, he's still a very good good ref. Yeah, he There's was. No about that. He was uh, very good. And, and, think, and thinking, what's, thinking what's ahead for Wales, Roger Grace tweeted us to say, is there anything as pointless as a third, fourth place playoff? Um, I quite like the cruelty. <laughs> Personally. <laughs> it's so miserable. Um, it's, I, it's, so it's Friday morning at 9am. I'm not even sure. So I, I will be very much in work. I'm not even sure I'll be watching it. No, I won't be watching it. I, I, I'll, I'll catch up on the extra. I'll, I'll probably watch the game in the gym after that. It just feels like it feels like a, a very a really rough ending for two very good teams. Yeah, who don't deserve this. Do they, they be do deserve better. The, the rugby writers, as much as I disparage them, or maybe the uh, 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 rugby podcasters, because they're a far more knowledgeable bunch. But one or two, or maybe, or maybe we all co- all, um, all come together in harmony. But we vote on the two most disappointing teams, and they have to play the, the third-place match. So it'd be like, <laughs> Scotland versus Ireland again. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's, that's what I think would be better. And they have to stay for the rest of the tournament. Everyone stays for the next two weeks <laughs> yeah. training for it. You've got to get through the first Thomas round. McBall. Yeah, you've got to get through the first round the, of... The losable. Yes. Yeah. In the worst <laughs> stadium, in the most out-of-the-way place. <laughs> So if yeah, I, I, I quite like that behind closed doors as well. So there's no fans there. Oh, but, well, there wouldn't be any fans anyway. <laughs> silence, yeah, total exactly. silence. No, worse, worse than no fans. It's just open to school children, <laughs> charity tickets, <laughs> that, you know, that kind of thing. Um, uh, also, uh, talking of uh, talking of awful, th- awful things, can I just mention Gareth Thomas's gilet jacket combo? Oh yeah. What was he wearing? Yeah, I, I actually tweeted that. Yeah, uh, no, it, I messaged like, it to the group. Japan's hot. Hot, you have no Japan's idea. Hot. It is so yeah, hot. Yeah, and he's inside in a TV studio, which has lots of lights. Hang he's on. wearing a gilet under his jacket. Was he in? Was he in Japan or was he in Padstow saw, or somewhere? I saw a picture of him. He was in Japan. Yeah, pitch side. Oh, well, there you go then. So he was in Why? Japan. I, I mean, having been there, um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to wear a simple waistcoat. <laughs> You know, on on top of a simple shirt, let alone a gilet and jacket. Admittedly, it was ten degrees hotter when we were there. Yeah. Um, that said, that's a pretty standard look for you know your BT Sport crew, Tim. Oh, pitch side in England, it's a great look. Hmm. Yeah, I'm with you, Tim. It's not good. Now, and and one final one um, from me uh, before. Sorry, Phil. Uh, just one one. Joe West has pointed out. And has tweeted us, and it's worth looking at a picture of this straight after the game. Damien Dialande, who had a strong game, uh, he strong man. He has an incredibly ta- incredibly tanned pair of legs <laughs> and an incredibly pale body. It looks like two different. <laughs> it looks like a two different top and body, top and bottom of the body stuck together. It's bizarre. Wait there, Damien. Worth having a look at. Damien Dialande, yeah. tanned legs. There you go, Drip. Google. Oh, oh, ooh! He's clearly just not had his um, chest out very much on the yeah. beach, which is uh, surprising and disappointing, I must say. Yes, agreed. Because he yeah. is a he is a very strong man. Yeah. Um, just the one really? thing. The one thing I I kind of touched on it before, but the the most disappointing thing about this game was just how simplistic a game plan that South Africa played, and how. How much, they, how much they narrowed off and how limited their game plan was. Now, I did... 
I was watching it thinking, South Africa are kicking more than any team that I've ever seen in this um, this World Cup. And then I thought, is that right? So I ran the numbers, of course. Of course. And um, in absolute terms, they they did not quite hit the absolute high uh, of Ireland. Is, um, that, is this of all time or, or this tournament? No, this, this is... So... I must uh, a quick confession to make. I only counted um, tier one versus tier one games mm-hmm. because no one cares how many times New Zealand kicked against Namibia or Namibia kicked against New Zealand I in a seventy nil thrashing. I think you made a lethal error here, Phil. Why? I'll tell you why. Because one of the great games of all time, and it's no, I, I think you'll agree with me when, when I mention it, did not happen between a tier one and a tier two. Although they are tier one, both tier ones now, but it was the France World Cup at home opening game against Argentina when I am certain Argentina will have kicked more than South Africa. Uh, well, so I'm only doing this World Cup, right? I'm not going back. To, I'm not going back twelve years. And weirdly, and and I've counted. So I did tier ones plus then Japan and Fiji because they were very, very good. Um, Ireland kicked more um, in their win over Scotland. They kicked thirty nine times, but. I then did it relative. So I did um, the kick percentage compared to runs. And this South, the South Africa performance was by far the most kicks per run. So they kicked more than one in three. Tell so me. so, so, so they, they kicked, or, or to put it another way, they ran twice and then kicked consistently for 80 minutes. So tell me, why is that? Why is this game disappointing when... The win against France by Argentina, where they kicked everything, was one of the best games of all time. Um, it's the intelligence of the kicking. Well, there, there was no intelligence. So, so uh, there was no intelligence in this game whatsoever. But there were similar game plans. I mean, they were both no. unintelligible, and they just wanted to mess it up as much as possible, level, level out the playing field. Yeah, but this was so. This was trying to win on the law of averages. So, and what I mean by that was New Zealand. They'd run it twice or 1.9 times, really. Mm-hmm. So they'd have their 1.9 runs, and then they'd put in a box kick. And that box kick would go between 25 and 35 metres, and it would give them roughly a 40% chance of retaining the ball with a 25 to 35 metre gain. Mm-hmm. But equally, a 60% chance of turning over possession 30 metres down the field for Wales to do exactly the same thing. Hmm. So it was just... It was... Mm, <laughs> part, Part of me thinks it's maybe there's some strategy, but it was just kicking and hoping for the best, hoping the other team knocks on, hoping they fumble, hoping their their box kick isn't quite as well executed as your box kick, mm. and you're slowly going to eat up the pitch in 30-yard chunks. Yeah, well, and that well, just... I, it is just dull. Well, personally, I think people complaining about this are like five-year-olds complaining about the, about the taste of olives. Frankly, your palate just isn't developed enough yet to appreciate what uh, and what you saw. I think we should leave it there. I think we should leave it there. Tim, have you got any final thought, uh, any parting thoughts for us? Um, I like that uh, olive analogy. Um, <laughs> do, I, do you think it's applicable I, I, in this scenario, Tim? <laughs> No, no, not particularly. I was trying to, th- I was trying to think of something. It would be like um, someone complaining about the taste of olives, who, who has, who grow, who grows the most incredible. Oh no, that doesn't even work either. I'm you, trying to think of something. That works you two just spoiled brats. I, I guess addicted to, 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 to chocolate ice cream. 
Sorry, say again? You two are just spoilt brats addicted to chocolate ice cream. With your irresponsible parents giving it you um, for breakfast. I think the only reason I'm disappointed, I was disappointed in South Africa, is because they they have shown, and they uh, they have shown incredible attacking. Like go back before the World Cup, you yourself, JB, were talking about there's more to come from this South Africa side. There's more to come. <laughs> their attack, their attack is incredible. Their backs are amazing, but there's more to come. Yeah, I just it's just it's just. There's there's ways to win. Hey, listen, they're vindicated, I guess, because they're in a World Cup final. But yeah, there's um, and the result is all that ultimately matters. And if if that style is what they bring against England and it works, well, fair enough. But uh, this is a stage where I also want to see. Well, well, this is a stage where we've also seen Japan captivate people's imaginations and and awaken a rugby interest in a in a huge nation and in places around the world. And come on, South Africa, do your bit as well. Because you can, and you can, you can win the World Cup by doing that too. Right. Well, that, that is your parting thought. Well, well you... my my parting thought. I've just checked your um, artisanal hand plucked uh, box of or- olives. Yes. And actually, it's uh, frozen, unsalted, unsweetened porridge pellets. Oh, right. You've been you've been had over, mate. <laughs> what what can I say? <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, a a, a suitable end <laughs> to the podcast. Uh, we will be back with you in your feed tomorrow with the midweek domestic podcast, the MWDP, where we'll talk all things Premier Rugby and maybe, maybe Pro 14. Maybe. Maybe one game. We'll maybe sneak one game, which we might do in review. detail, uh, might, might sneak in. But until then, you can find us on social media. Tim at Cocker, me at Jay Beardmore, this podcast at rugby podcast and until tomorrow when we'll all reconvene and see you again for me Tim and Phil goodbye bye mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.